0: One day I was watching a series on Netflix and then uh, I watched one episode, two episodes, and then another one. And I, I, I realized, yeah, could, could we get that on finance presentations? They will also detect if you are reading your slides, for example. If you have a text on your slide, well, if you start to read, you would get a pop-up saying, Try to avoid reading your slides during the presentation, paraphrase it.
1: Essentially, you're telling me uh, I'm the presentations,
0: right? That's what I mean. Don't don't count on it 100%. I mean, it can do 70% of your work and it will be good and it will be well done. But check again, double check, triple check whether it will be good or not.
1: Hello, and welcome to Tech for Finance, where we help finance professionals leverage technology to level up their lives. I'm your host, Adam Shilson, And in this episode, we're chatting with Soufyan Hamid, or Souf for short. Souf started his career at PwC, spent almost five years as a manager at Deloitte and seven years at Proximus as a finance business partner and manager of strategic projects. Souf is now an FP&A freelancer, but also trains finance teams on how to improve their presentation skills when he's not doing that and spending time with his daughter of eight and son five attending concerts and playing football in his words badly and he also likes cooking and drawing dragon ball z characters like myself so but before we start if you like what you hear today please remember to subscribe to tech for finance on your favorite podcast platform and on youtube and for more content head over to techforfinance.com thanks for joining me today suf hello adam how are you very good very good. As I say, not, not bad for a Thursday today. Um, we've got the, the annual company conference on Saturday. So I had to buy a tuxedo last minute. So I wasn't too happy about that. It's done now. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Yes. Well, I'll send you a picture if you really want to see. <laughs> so when, no, again, thanks, thanks for joining today. So if I, was, I was keen to get you on because I'd, I follow a lot of your LinkedIn content and what I'll do after the, the show is obviously I'll, I'll include some links to, to some of your stuff. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to, to describe to people that are listening on audio, but I just, I describe it as very, um, immersive. And there's a lot of humor in there. Um, and it's just, it's just cr- great content to, to absorb, especially obviously if you, if you work in finance, or even if you just want to learn a bit more about how you can sharpen up your presentation skills, okay, eh? but um, no, over to you, Sue. do you want to tell us a little bit more about, you know, cause obviously you are now doing the freelance and the presentation stuff full time. Do you want to tell us a little bit of the story about when that came, why you decided to move away and start doing things for yourself?
0: Well, uh, indeed I, I can speak about the, this experience, uh, on my side. Um, it's, it, it all started during the, 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 the pandemic period, I was rethinking about my career. And, um, uh, I thought about the time that I was working at Deloitte, you know, I was from one assignment to the other. I saw a lot of different companies and I was comparing to the life I had uh, at, at Proximus. And I was n- not really happy because I understood that it wasn't really for me to stay in a company so long, I needed to see other uh, companies, other people, other teams, learn new businesses. And this is why I decided to jump into the freelancing so I could change environment every now and then, and that could give me the freedom also to develop, uh, my other hustle, which is, um, to help finance people develop their Presentation
1: skills. And, and where did that, why focusing on presentation skills specifically? What, uh, what was it that drew to that?
0: Well, um, that comes from Proximus actually, because I was the typical, uh, finance professional technician, really good at Excel modeling. Um, I was not doing much more than this. And so I remember the, the VP of finance at Proximus just told me what month after month, that he did not understand my presentations, that he he did not understand how I structured my slides, how I explained my work. And so one day he told me, yes, you're a technician and people in front of me won't be technicians. So you have to change that. And so this made a click and. At that moment, I decided to follow trainings internal and external to improve those presentation skills. And after those, those trainings, I realized, and a lot of people gave me the feedback that I was really good at it. But being good at it was also noticing that there was a lack and there was a need in the finance sector. To develop these skills to make sure that a lot of colleagues throughout the world would benefit the
1: same learnings I had at that time. And I suppose it helps your freelance work as well, Well, doesn't it? It it does because I, that helps me to sell myself. Uh,
0: This is how you do interviews in, in general. And for the moment, it's true that as a freelance, I'm free to do a bit, everything I want. And, uh, the last project I've had since some months now is a full-time job as head of controlling for Belgian company. And that helps me there because indeed it's an old company in which people do not have, are not used to, uh, finance people developing. Presentations that are more similar to what marketing does and what generally finance does and uh, it, I do get good feedbacks
1: on it.: Yeah, and it's interesting that that crossover between sales and marketing and um, by the time this comes out, um, you know Sue and I were talking about a video that I'm posting tomorrow on LinkedIn. Um, specifically about finance business partnering, but that refers to treating your internal team as customers, right? So, so there is, there is this theory that, you know, everybody is somebody that will get value in your service,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, when you, when you see your internal team as clients, well, you, you have to treat them as such because you, you never know what. What they will become in the future. See, for example, today I had people working for me at my clients. I have a team of four people. Maybe in five or 10 years, those people will be finance managers, finance directors somewhere else, and I will need those contacts in order to continue developing my, my my business. So it's clearly something I've learned when I was consultant is that the networking is important, whether you are a client facing or not uh, in your, in your day to day life.
1: Yeah. And, and so the people that, yeah, so for the people that aren't client facing that are a little bit more introverted, so, so maybe, um, they'd consider themselves a bit less charismatic than a salesperson, for example, you know, and and some people are a bit scared about opening up and making themselves more visible, shall we say. Mm -hmm. So one, one of the posts that, that I saw from you was, um, some people send their reports via mail or power BI, others dare make a presentation out of it, which of these two will get promoted, which is very valid, but I suppose. If you were giving advice, there's two parts to this question. So the first part is how can people build that confidence to say, no, you know what? I am actually going to present this. And then the second part of that is how do you know what sort of content is best delivered as a report and which is better as a presentation?
0: Well, um, for the first part of, of your question. It's, it, it's difficult to, to, to tell uh, people that are shy, introverted, that don't want to, to, to be in front of other people, to, to do it. But the hard truth today is that if you're not seen, you're invisible. And that might work up to a certain point. You see somebody who's good technically, but not in presentations, not in making an impression, well. They will evolve maybe as a senior, maybe as a manager. It becomes difficult to be a director, but you, you see the, the, the world of finance in LinkedIn, everybody wants to be a CFO. If you want to be a CFO, well, you, you have to develop those skills, introverted, extroverted, it doesn't really matter. You, you know, you will have to, and this can be trained. You will never completely forget your nature. But this can be trained and as much as you practice, you will get to a result better than what you had in the past. So it's an advice I give, of course, because the, the world is what it is today. If you're not noticed well, it's almost like you didn't exist. So this is something that these kind of people have to realize. If they want to evolve, and I'm not really saying that you absolutely have to be a, become a CFO in your life. You do not even have to be a director. If you are happy where you are, this is what's the most important. Um, the second part of your, um, question was, uh, can you remind me maybe?
1: Yeah. So the LinkedIn post was, um, Send a report via mail or Power BI. Yeah. Others there make presentations. So, when you're thinking about what types of content de- deserve, say, an email or just a, a link to a Power BI dashboard, or what sort of content requires that communication, how do you think about that?
0: Well, it's if it's only informative, it doesn't really require a presentation. If you just have to give information, well, you don't need this link. You don't need this presence, you don't need this contact with the other people. But when you have to convince, influence, or even facilitate a discussion, then a presentation will be better because you will not let a decision be taken without your input, without your insights and without you directing uh, where the discussion should lead to. So. This is why I make this difference. And a lot of people gave me feedback about this post, uh, but it's true that giving your report, giving a mail is not bad as such, but you will lose the opportunity to make an impact. Yeah,
1: I I totally agree. And it comes back to that building influence, creating an impact, as you say. Mm-hmm. And, um, so th- thanks for, thanks for breaking that down and and just whilst I'm thinking about it. So a, a lot of, and I suppose it depends what systems you, you use, right. But the standard, you know, profit and loss balance sheet management account type reports, right. Um, they're the sort of informative reports that might not always need, um, some sort of perspective unless there's some sort of drastic change, I guess. I guess what I'm I'm driving at there is it would be nice to think that we're not reliant on Excel for that sort of stuff. And we can get to the point where it's automated and, and sent out automatically. So the point there about Power BI from, from what you've seen, is there still a bit of a, is there still a bit of a learning exercise with stuff like Power BI? Because a lot of people still prefer, or oh, just, you know, just send me the Excel report, they don't necessarily want to you know, log into a dashboard link, especially if they don't necessarily understand the dashboard. So what's your perspective on categorizing information? You know, what is a good use case for Excel? What is a good use case for, for Power BI?
0: For me, Excel is a tool to work upon the data, not to report it. Power BI is excellent as a dashboard, as a report, as information you would give. And if you're really excellent, you can even make some simulations in Power BI. I'm not that far. I, I know a bit of DAX. I know a bit of, uh, of how to build, uh, new measures and that depend on the slicers you selected. But if you want to modelize something, uh, planning tool, uh, forecast a budget, even making your business case, yeah, no, Power BI will not be the tool. So you, it really depends on what you want to do with the data. It's a bit like we said for presentations, if you want to report, give information and let the people play with it so that they have new questions, then Power BI is the perfect tool. Excel is more a playground in which you can make your, uh, make your analysis and go further to build something on it. I don't see Power BI as this kind of tool.
1: Yeah. Okay. And of course you can, you can of course set Power BI on top of spreadsheets. So of course, yeah. so you do the building in Excel and you can, you can visualize it with, with Power BI. The the, 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 reason I ask is, you know, my business itself is, is evolving, you know, and, I've been having more and more conversations around, um, tech stacks. Because with, with software evolving, you know, I mean, years ago, there used to be a case to say, right, well, you know, we're going to get rid of all of our, our spreadsheets and we're going to go for an end to end ERP system. But actually there's a lot more companies now that are taking more of a modular approach, especially in finance, you know, so everybody knows that an ERP system is only going to go 75, 80% of the way to tackling all of your requirements. And as you mentioned there, you know, there's very few ERP systems, unless you're spending six or seven figures that will do all of the advanced modeling, you know, the budgeting and planning and all of those sorts of things. So we do get into a scenario where you've got a core finance platform. You've got an FPN, FP FP&A solution that you use for modeling. You've got your power BI. Um, in my world, um, as is for, for you, for your own business as well, there's a, there's a bit of CRM, you know, where are we getting customers from? Where's the revenue coming from? Um, there's a bit of the finance stuff in the middle, but then there's also stuff like um, customer service and support. And if you are taking that modular approach when you've got information in all different places, sometimes the only way to bridge that is with something like Power BI. And I'm still getting to terms with it myself because I've only ever modeled Power BI on an, uh, on an Excel spreadsheet. You know, mm-hmm. may, maybe not the best thing to say for somebody who runs a podcast called Tech for Finance. Right? But is that what you're seeing more? Are you seeing sort of, companies build a bridge using something like Power BI and it doesn't have to be Power BI. I mean, there's loads of others, isn't there? There's Click, there's Tableau, there's all of those sorts of things as well.
0: Well, I, I, work more for big corporations. So right. they generally have the, the, the means in order to have a big ERP system up, upon which they, they build a BI solution that gathers information from the different environments, from the different data lakes So. No, in in that case, I don't really see people starting to build upon Excel. Excel mm-hmm. is really a tool that people use when they get information from those sources. Gotcha. So, uh, indeed, uh, that's uh, that, that's something that's seen as a risk to 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 build from Excel.
1: Yeah, because you know, there's then questions over accuracy, isn't there? Is, is the data real time, you know, is it stuff that was dumped out to Excel two weeks ago, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. But anyway, that's, it was more of a question to scratch my own itch rather than anything else. So we've gone a bit off track on, on the questions there. So, so, uh, apologize. anyway, back on track, um, there, there was another, there was another post that I quite liked from you. I think it turned out to be quite popular. That was, um, present like Netflix and make finance addictive. So can you take us through that a little bit, you know? And again, I'm, I'm not gonna read the post slide by slide, but can you give us the highlights of how well, well, you consider making finance addictive?
0: Yeah, indeed. The, the, uh, that was mostly coming one day I was watching a series on Netflix and then, uh, I watched one episode, two episodes and then another one. And I, I, I realized, yeah, could, could we get that on finance presentations? Well, it's not really the same, but there are some learnings that we have to take from there. And this is mostly how we make sure that what we deliver as presentation is, has the structure to get the, to the rhythm of Netflix series, HBO series. I don't want to especially give a name, but the, the, the goal today there is mostly to say that the showrunners the, the the directors of the series make sure that you have enough information so so you can build your thoughts but not enough to get to the final conclusion so that the little pieces that they give you each time make you want to see the next piece so that's why i generally say You, you have two schools in, in presentations. A lot of people say you have to give your conclusions directly up front, the bottom bottom line up front. I'm not in that school because I want to give enough so they are interested in getting to understand the rest of the presentation, but not the, the full conclusion, otherwise they have enough, they will ask questions and the whole presentations you would, you would have given is transformed a little bit. And so, there, what I learned from Netflix is that you have to give a bit of information of the present, a bit of information of the end, so that people put their pieces together and you cut your full presentation into small pieces that help. The people not only understand, but somehow getting to the conclusion until the moment they get the information, which will be the aha moment. And in that moment, you have the power to deliver the end of your presentations and the way forward, which is basically the cliffhanger to the next season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Little, little teasers, little cliffhangers all along the way until the, you know, the moment of realisation at the end or the finale or the you know the the finale that leads into season two, you know, yeah. to be continued sort so. of thing, right? Have you either watched or listened to the Diary of a CEO podcast? Uh no. So you yeah. it's it's um hosted by uh by a British guy uh, called Stephen Bartlett. He's only 30. Um it's one of the top podcasts now though. I think it's doing, doing really, really well. Um, and he's got some pretty high profile names on recently. So, you know, Richard Branson um, Darren Brown, you know, some, some really, you know, high profile individuals, um, at least, you know, for me over in the UK, who considers those, those guys as, uh, you know, high worth individuals. I don't know what it's like in Belgium and whether you follow those people as well, uh, but the reason I mention it is. The intros to those podcasts, if you're not listening and you're watching on YouTube are amazing teasers. So, so what they do, and it's, it's obviously a really good production team, but they do the, obviously the big attention grabbing captions, you know, the, the subtitles that are in your face and can't be ignored, but then what they'll do is they'll take some of the best bits of the podcast and they'll cut off the audio just before they finish the sentence. Yeah. And it's all merged into It's almost like a movie trailer, but for a podcast, you know, but it is focusing on that, you know, if you don't watch the whole thing, you're not going to see what they said after that moment of all, oh, we've just cut you off there, you know? So yeah, do definitely check out the, the YouTube. I'll send you the yeah. link after the facts and I'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, it makes me giggle actually, because, um, I don't know how he does it, but a lot of the people that end up on his podcast end up getting really emotional and crying. So I, I don't know whether that's deliberate or not, oh. it's, it's quite an engaging podcast if you want to listen to it, but anyways, we digress a lot Bit of
0: it. <laughs> <gray> today, yeah?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think? Um, so, so let's imagine that you've got, got your data and you've determined that this is something that we want to present instead of, you know, giving a power BI link or sending it on the email. What do you then think about next? So what building blocks do you use to take that data and then convert it into a format that you'd consider to be engaging to your audience?
0: Well, the first building blocks is of course the analysis because you have your data, but you will not just throw data to, uh, to, to, to your audience in a presentations, in a PowerPoint slide, you have to make an analysis. So there, I will not really give a lot of information on this because the, the, the principle is at that moment to go into detail in order to understand every single line of your analysis, but then you have what we call the getting the signal from the noise, so you will have hundreds of variances from one product, one region. So here the ability is to be able to determine what's important, what matters. And there are two things you have to know for that is first, is it um, important in terms uh, of quantity or in materiality? And the second one is, is it actionable? If you have to report it to an audience, well, they have to be able to do something about it. Otherwise it's just information. So those are two things that we, that you have to, to, to know. The second building block is from that, you have to create your big message. What do you want people to remember when they go out of the presentation? What's the single sentence they have in their mind? And to do that, you have to, 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 to be able to tell them what, uh, what's the impact for them and what they can do about it. So that's all in the message preparation. And then you have the biggest building blocks, which is the preparation. So you have your big idea. You have to know the steps that you have to give during the presentations. There is important to remember the Netflix Netflix thing that you have to give small blocks of information that will build their understanding and their implication into the storytelling. And then you have to prepare, of course, your visuals, your uh, slides so that people will have some visual references so that they remember better what you are going to say. And then the last element of preparation is something that not a lot of people do is rehearsal. Mm. So you have your message, you have your presentation, you have your storytelling, you have your visuals, but you have to train, you have to practice again and again so that you are ready for the moment they you will deliver your presentation. Don't do that for every single presentation. I mean, they have to 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 be of a certain importance so that you invest time in that but it's important to practice and rehearse and there are many ways to do that today just take a camera ask people to attend your present your your training your presentation but you can also do that with powerpoint today because there is a rehearsal coach so there are ways to to do this so you can be as ready as possible. And then you have the last building block, which is actually the delivery of your presentations. You are in front of your audience. You are there, but you have to know how to behave, how to look at people, how, how to, to speak in terms of pace, in terms of wording. So this is the last element that will be part of your presentation.
1: Thanks for that. Thanks for that. And I'll do, what I'll do is I'll do a step-by-step in the show notes afterwards. I'll, I'll tape all of those good bits and I'll, I'll put them into, you know, yeah, look, look little short, easy to digest nuggets so that people can take that framework and, and apply it to, to their own presentation. So, so thanks for that, Sue. Um, another question, because I've not used it. So you mentioned the PowerPoint rehearsal tool. Mm-hmm. What does it actually give you? Does it just give you a recording? Does it give you information on pacing, timing? What does it do?
0: Well, uh, it, it gives you all that it, um, it helps you understand your pace. So the, the number of words per, per minute, the number of words per second or something like that, but it also contains some intelligence. They, they will understand the filler words. So as much as possible, try to avoid the, mm-hmm. uh, the, everything that's something you want to use in order to avoid silences, well, they will detect it. Of course, it depends on the language. I mean, the normal language of Microsoft is English, so they will be better uh, when it comes to, uh, to, to using English, but they will also detect if you are reading your slides, for example, if you have a text on your slide, well, if you start to read, you would get a pop-up saying, try to avoid reading your slides during the presentation, paraphrase it. So, and when you end the recording, then you get a full report where they will give you advices, recommendations. They will tell you what you've done, what you've done wrong. So it will not detect the body language. It will not detect the eye contact. It's not That developed, but at least in terms of speaking. It's already a good, good claim.
1: And it's, so just, just what you've highlighted, there is such a little piece of the Microsoft ecosystem. It's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? When you consider like you've got Word, PowerPoint, Excel, you know, and they're, they're the main three, not to mention all of the teams and all of the productivity apps that sit in the background. It makes you wonder how much of those platforms you're not actually using. Because as I say, what you've explained to me there is probably gold dust. You know, and, and I've just ignored it because it's just come up with the prompt saying, oh, do you want to do a bit of rehearsal? And I'm like, no, not now. I don't have the time. But you only know what you, you know, don't you? Um, it, so it's what I
0: usually say, um, today, a lot of people say they don't have time, but the thing is, the more you, you, you know, how to use those tools, the less time you will lose it's the same for Excel. It's the same for PowerPoint. It's the same for any other tool, if you take the time, if you invest time, it's really to see as an investment. If you invest time to learn how to do things with the tools we have, most of now, most of us, you will save time in the future. And here that's true that this rehearsal coach, the time you take to set up a meeting room with colleagues that won't come, don't want to come. So it might take too much time. So indeed, I understand that people don't want to do it, but you're in front of your computer all the time when you work in finance. So you, you have the opportunity to use what you have in front of you. It will take 10 minutes, 15 minutes stop, but at least you will have tried. And that's something that will help you definitely to build a better presentation.
1: Yeah. And, and I always used the. It's, it's a cheesy comparison and it's, it's a, it's a sports analogy. Um, I always talked of it in tennis terms because I'm more of a fan of tennis than I am of football, but that's a conversation for, for another day. Right. But you take a tennis player or a football player, and you've probably heard this a lot as well, you know, only a fraction of their time is spent actually competing. The majority of their time is spent practicing. And what you end up doing, if you don't practice is you practice in a live situation. So you're practicing with the people that you don't really want to be practicing in front of, you want to give them the, the good stuff, right? So as much as I'm not a huge sports fan, that helped really hit home. I'm doing my virtual tennis racket there. You see what I did there? Sorry, terrible joke. (laughs) No, but but yeah, that, that really hit the, the concept home, uh, to me that, yeah, you know, it, it makes so much sense when you actually think about it, but we're very quick to, to say, well, I don't have time to rehearse. Whereas you're absolutely right. That time invested up front can lead to a lot more reward and recognition down the line, I guess. Yeah, it is. So I'm definitely going to check out the rehearsal tour. So it's it wasn't on the, the place.
0: newest version of, uh, of, uh, Microsoft Office. So I'm not sure everybody has that. It's, uh, as from
1: 365, so. Yeah. Which brings me on to my next point. So was it yesterday or the day before you did a post about PowerPoint versus Google sheet, uh, Google slides? Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So I think the general consensus is that Microsoft has still got the edge because it's been established for longer. I think that tends to be the consensus, even though I know you were taking it from sort of an unbiased perspective, mm-hmm. um, but taking the whole sort of Microsoft versus Google thing to one side. Obviously there's different advantages to using different tools. Are there any other tools that you've seen, and it could be more nuggets in Microsoft or Google applications that you want to share, but are there are any other tools that you sometimes use to make presentations more immersive, you know, is there, okay. um. Is there a point in, you know, adding animations and, and sort of slick images and, you know, using your canvas and that sort of stuff to develop, you know, a, a brand within your presentations? What sort of stuff do you use? Well,
0: um, when, when it comes to presentation, I I'm, I'm used to say that this is the most human thing you can do. So mm. it's good to have tools, but. Where you have to invest more time is on you, on yourself, on training yourself and on developing your skills, your own skills. You can use tools, of course, but it won't really go further than the, the tools you, you are used to Excel, PowerPoint. But for presentations, the only thing I would add are animations, this is part of PowerPoint, so it's not really new, but animations have people Get attention where you need to hide information so that it's shown at the time you say it and not completely delivered in one time in a, um, in a slide. And there are other things for a finance presentation, when you are really speaking about the results and you are going to a board, it's not really what I recommend, but you have participative tools like Mentimeter, like Code. Don't, don't do it in front of a board over a C suite it, it's just it's not, not the place. And and we, we have other opportunities. Right? We have different business partners in the company. If you are working with the marketing team, sometimes, yeah, it will make you be, be become the funny finance guy. It, it always helps develop a better relationships than just the serious ones. But of course, the, 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 first step is to know your audience. So try to sense whether it's the place or not. And in most of the cases, it won't be.
1: I think you're right. And I'll give an example of a meeting that I had a few, a few weeks ago. So, um, I do some work with Sage, um. And they recently had a big rebranding. Um, some people like it. Some people don't spend millions and millions on this big rebranding. Um, but part of that rebranding comes this concept of flow. So when you look at a lot of the sage, um, content on their website and stuff, it's all moving images. Um, it's kind of like this, this circular figure of eight kind of infinity type movement that they've got all over the place, which, which is kind of cool. Especially if you're on a website, because. You want to be grabbed by a website you do want to be grabbed by the content, but coming back to the point that you said there about it being one of the more human things that you can do when you're presenting, I found during that Sage presentation that the animations that they have had on all of their slides were actually taking my attention away from the person that was talking. So it's about getting that, that balance, isn't it? And, and there's there's nothing they could do about it because of course the the slides are pre-built by the Sage marketing team, you know, so, so they have to use it to be on brand. But I think, as you say, there's a point where it becomes too much if there's so much going on on screen that you're not actually picking up the the message from the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, really, uh, it's
0: really what I recommend when I speak about animations is that it's good but you have to be simple and sober. So there are tens of, uh, tens of thousands of, uh, animations possible. If you, if you try to play with, uh, angles and, uh, and speed and pace and so on. But there are maybe two, three that you might want to use in a, in a, in a normal finance presentation, like appearance, uh, disappearance. Uh, maybe fading so that it's a bit uh it's a bit more classy and and that's it. There are not a lot of use cases and you have to pick really well when you want to use it. The typical moment I recommend to use it is for example if you have a list, don't put the list directly on the screen, just point by point so that people listen to you, but they don't pay attention to the screen. Just when the moment uh, the, the sentence appears, then they will directly speak to you because there's not much to read and they will be, uh, back to, to your speech. They will be back to listening to you. So here stay sober, stay
1: simple. Mm-hmm. And would it be, so to summarize that a little bit, would it be, be fair to say that the way that we need to think about it is. The slides should support your words. Your words shouldn't support the slides.
0: Yeah, yeah, clearly, um, there's a sort of disease I speak about, which is basically the, uh, the, the, the weather forecast presenter <laughs> syndrome. It's the <laughs> people presenting their slides. Like it's the most important thing. It's not. I mean, the slide, if you prepared it well and you don't have hundreds of slides, normally you shouldn't look at it during your presentations. You know it by heart. You just take, um, a remote, or if you don't have a remote, take your mouse uh, and just click each time you have to pass to the next slide or to the next animation. But normally you shouldn't have to look at it. And this is why in, in the preparations. I usually say, uh, tell people, don't spend more time preparing your slides than you spend preparing yourself because normally you are the center of attention. And this is what a lot of people forget because we are used to put a lot of information on the slide, but it's not the case. Normally you should be able with the headlines to summarize a slide and the visual is only there to. S- or what you're going to say, yeah. if it's not written on the slides, even better because they will be compelled to pay attention to what you said.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's all about creating those little old teasers, those little old cliffhangers, isn't it? As, as yeah, we can it the conversation with absolutely right. So I've only got a few questions left because I'm conscious of, of your time. So, um, I'm going to add in a, another one though. So, so I'm, I'm keen to understand a little bit more about the, the systems you use personally to, to run your sort of, you know, suit, you know, the presentation guy business. Um, but before we, we get onto that, so going back to the point that you mentioned about investing the time up front to get the reward later on, when it comes to my own content and my own work, I am constantly looking at ways that I can automate a lot of that, that manual stuff. Um. And I don't have the privilege of being able to pay like a, a personal assistant or anything like that. So, so a lot of the stuff that I do is, is off the, off my back with, with my own time. So something that I discovered recently, which I absolutely love, um, so I'm assuming you've heard of Canva you use Canva. Use yeah, it? I use it for use it?
0: marketing slides. So every Carousel that I make on LinkedIn, the pictures and so on. Those come from that, uh, can
1: There we go. So specifically about the carousels on Canva. And for anybody who doesn't know Canva, it's it's basically like a complete online marketing brand toolkit. So you can log in, you just say, oh, I want to create, you know, a LinkedIn post, and it give you templates, and you can do whatever you want. Anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sing Canva too many praises because they're doing pretty well, and I don't think they need probably don't need any more business. But it's a really good tool, right? Uh, but coming back to the carousels, there's a really cool tool in it called, um, I think it's either bulk edit or bulk import or something like that. And what you can do is you can upload data from a spreadsheet and it'll automatically create the carousel slides for you without you having to duplicate them and enter the text yourself. Now you've gotta be clever with it because it will just duplicate your entire carousel. So if you've got a front page and then a footer, it will duplicate those four times for how, so you just got to do it with the content that repeats in the middle, Mm -hmm. but that's a game changer because if we're doing like 11 tips to, or seven steps to, or whatever it happens to be, just put all of the, the, the content into Excel, click a button once, and then it will generate the entire carousel for me. So that's a bit of a game changer. I love that. Mm -hmm. But the reason I mentioned that is I have seen mentioned somewhere, and I, and I don't know whether it's pal- I don't know whether it's another tool whereby a presentation tool will now use AI to build the slides off the back of your text. And, and the reason I asked that question is because in the way that I work is I think in terms of text, headings, subheadings, and bullet points. Mm -hmm. So I find it very difficult working from slide to slide producing content. I find it much easier just writing as though I were writing in a Word document. So do you have any experience with tools whereby you can essentially say to the system, here's my text, populate the slides, or do you still think we're really early and the systems that do that are pretty rubbish at it?
0: I mean, if you do that, you have to be really organized in your head. So uh, you, you really have to have a good structure before starting beforehand. And you want, you, you will lose a bit, the artistic way, uh, the artistic part of making a presentation Yeah, and in finance, we do not have a lot of opportunities to be creative. So I understand your point, but. Completely automating, I wouldn't do it because you also, when you prepare your slides, have to understand the, the, the human perspective when they would see the slides, typically in a, in a carousel, for example, you have to change the color every two, three slides in order to, 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 to retain the attention of the viewer, change a bit the structure, change a bit. The, the, coloring of your, uh, of your wording. So you can automate part of it, but as much as I do for carousels, I would do also for a finance presentation in which I try to change what I see that would not work. So I observe it as I was completely in the audience without having presented. Because most of the time when you prepare something, you don't see the flows in it. And this is what happens when you, for example, automate fully a presentation. See, for example, if you have um, a PowerPoint link to Excel, you can automate it. You can every month, you can use the same presentation and just make sure that the figures are automated, the text even can be automated, but then. Not only will you not tailor it to the, uh, to the situation you will present, but you lose the fun part of being a creator once in a while.
1: So essentially you're telling me up for automating the presentations, right? That's why we... I mean, <laughs> don't,
0: don't count on it a hundred percent. I mean, it can do 70% of your work, and it will be good and it will be well done, but check again, double check, triple check whether it will be good or not.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And we, we don't have time for the conversation now, but obviously, you know, the whole concept of chat GPT has exploded recently and there's all this, this controversy about, you know, is it accurate content that it's producing, you know, because a lot of people are just copying and pasting and putting it out into the world and not checking it beforehand. And I think that's what we're saying there, right? Is the automation piece will only go so far. But it will always need a human lens, as you say, to say, is this meaningful? Because otherwise yes. and and it comes down to that whole, um, quality versus quantity piece, doesn't it? You know, I could also generate 12 carousels using bot generated text, you know, yeah. but are they gonna be engaging? Probably not.
0: They would be boring.
1: Yeah. But, but you've, you, you, you've caught me there because my carousels at the moment, they don't change color. So thanks to you, I'm gonna have to go and change all of my templates now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you will make some manual work, and you will be happy about uh, what we created. <laughs> See, with your own two hands. Yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah, that's it. Well, I've got a load of guitars in the background, so I, I should be the creative one, not the automated one. But but hey ho, there, there we go. We're we're coming up to half past. Have you still got ten minutes? Are you okay? Yeah, time? yeah you we need? can. Um, yeah, ten minutes will be fine. Ten I mean, minutes, fine. So the, the last two questions are, um, technology that you use at the moment and then your, your favorite tech. So, so they're, they're the only two. So I was curious and I think I, I, I dropped you a, uh, a LinkedIn message about it, but notion, mm-hmm. um, still not hundred percent sure what it is. And part of me understands it is a note taking app. Part of me understands it is like a. As like a teamwork, like group workspace? But well, you use it, don't you? Can you take us through? I mean, uh
0: I, I use it mostly for, um, for my knowledge depository. So indeed you have the possibility to make a database, you can you have the possibility to, to to make a lot of things, but today it's true that I mostly use it to for two things. One is knowledge depository, so you can create some some pieces of information in, on which you can put tags and so find it back easily. And you can use a Kanban, a, a Kanban a structure in order to understand, for example, I use it for my content. See, uh, you, you have an idea, you put it in draft and then you, you make some researches, you, you put it in the column research on, on progress in progress. So. Until it's posted, and then you can sometimes go back to what uh, to how uh, to where it was when it was posted, and just pick back some ideas. Mm-hmm. So it helps me doing that, but also it helps you create pages, and this is the the the, the part that I find the most interesting because it's sort of a web page. You can share it with people. You can make it public, and there you can just put forms. You can put Almost anything that can be found on the internet can be embedded there. You can put a narrative form, you can put a, a type form, you can put a video from YouTube. So it looks like a web page and you can share information with some people, ideally in your team, but also outside of your team. Uh, but I think that like, I use like maximum 20% of the features possible in Notion. So I'm not year. A professional in there and even their database system, I find, I find it complicated. It mm-hmm. doesn't work all the time. So when it comes to database and information keeping, I prefer to use Airtable. Okay. So it, it does look more like a spreadsheet.
1: Yeah. And so people have listening are, that are listening, have got a use case, um, sooth used one of the notion landing pages for his new year video where we all got together to say happy new year and the way that that was set out and it worked really well is is on the left um there was a there was a video of you essentially explaining you know this is what we want to do here's a good way of doing and then you had a list of instructions underneath which were the guidelines and then on the right you had a, a drag and drop for, for the videos that people were sending you to be uploaded. And then below that, you had a, a bit of a survey to say, who are you? What are your contact details and, and so on and so forth. And that worked really well. It's really, yeah, no, no notion is good
0: because it's completely free. You can put everything and you can structure it the way you want. You can just drag and drop items from one place to the other. So for example, my box in which I had the text, I could just Move it to another place, and it's really flexible to to, to use. So you don't have to to to, to lose your time creating a web page, knowing about HTML and all, all those uh, languages. It's it's really working well. So it, it does the job.
1: Very good. So you've got Notion, Airtable. Are there any others that are important?
0: Uh, I use some some Zap some Zapier sometimes when. Yeah. Uh, trying to automate some, uh, some stuff, for example, well, I wanted to share, um, a template on my webpage to gather the emails, to gather the information, whether they wanted to or not to get the newsletter or not. And, um, yeah, I used, I used it for it. I think I could spend more time when I will have more, more developed products because more, um, for the moment I'm more in, in B2B. So. I'm not really using a lot of internet connections to do it, but, uh, when I have a, a B2 B2 C product, maybe I will have to spend some more time automating my work. Okay, good. Very good.
1: So last question then, before you can tell people more about where to find you is, and it doesn't even have to be work related. So is there a gadget, an app that you use every day that you just couldn't live without?
0: Um, yeah, apart from LinkedIn, I I use Spotify a lot. So okay. I listen to music uh, when I'm in the car, when I'm preparing food, when I'm even when I'm working, and when I have my kids, also I have to suffer the um, the, the the kids songs or the the, the stories. So, but definitely uh, Spotify is the the app I use the most.
1: Very good. Favorite uh, band.
0: Um, not really. I have, um, I'm quite eclectic, so, uh, well, I, I, I do, I, I do love, uh, rock music. So, uh, Metallica, all those kind of stuff. Very good. It it, it does the job in the morning.
1: A man after my own heart getting psyched up on a, on a bit of rock and metal in the morning. No, perfect. Fabulous stuff. So. Where can people find you, Sooth? LinkedIn. I'll put your profile in the show notes.
0: Yeah, definitely. This is where I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. Um, I have a website, but it's not really used a lot. So it's uh, uh, com. And yeah, I have a YouTube channel, which can have some more, uh, content in, in the future, but for the moment, it's quite, uh, it's. It's quite calm. So don't go there too
1: much. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. So, just as I say, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'll, I'll also put some of Sue's, um, LinkedIn posts on the show notes and um, some of my favorites on there. There was a really good one today about responding to questions. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a little teaser for people to look at after the show. There we go. Yeah. We'll leave that cliffhanger there. Um, and then all of the other stuff that we've been talking about today that that will go in there too. But uh, no, we really appreciate you coming on, so it's been great speaking to you.
0: Thanks for inviting me.
1: Thanks so much. See you later.